Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. To find out more, visit lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including our regular guest on Monday morning to talk about global affairs, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll also visit with Larry Reed. He is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll talk about why socialism seems to be antisocial. We'll also visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau chief and author of several murder mystery novels. They are terrific. It is December the 12th, and on this day in 1901, Italian physicist and radio pioneer Guillermo Marconi succeeded in sending the first radio transmission across the Atlantic Ocean, disproving detractors who told him that the curvature of the Earth would uh, limit transmission to 200 miles or less. The message simply was Morse code signal for the letter S, traveled more than 2,000 miles from Cornwall, England to Newfoundland, Canada, Born in Italy in 1874 to an Italian father and an Irish mother, Marconi studied physics and became interested in transmission of radio waves after learning of the experiments of German physicist Heinrich Hertz. He began his own experiments in Bologna beginning in 1894 and soon succeeded sending a radio signal over the distance of 1.5 miles. Receiving little encouragement from his experiments in Italy, he went to England in 1896. He formed a wireless telegraph company, and soon he was sending transmissions from distances further than 10 miles. In 1899, he succeeded in sending a transmission across the English Channel. That year, he was equipped with two U.S. ships to report to New York newspapers on the progress of the America Cup yacht race. That successful endeavor aroused widespread interest in Marconi and his wireless company. Marconi's greatest achievement came on December the 12th, 1901, when he received a message from England at St. John's, Newfoundland. The transatlantic transmission won him worldwide fame. Ironically, detractors of the project were correct when they declared that radio waves would not follow the curvature of the Earth as Marconi believed. In fact, Marconi's transatlantic radio signal had been headed into space when it was reflected off the ionosphere and bounced back towards Canada. Much remained to be learned about the laws of the radio waves and the role of atmosphere in radio transmissions, and Marconi would continue to play a leading role uh, for decades. In 1909, he was uh, jointly awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics with German radio innovator Ferdinand Braun. After successfully sending a radio transmission from points as far away as England and Australia, Marconi turned his energy to experimenting with shorter, more powerful radio waves. He died in 1937 on the day of his funeral. All British Broadcasting Corporation stations were silent for two minutes in tribute to his contributions to the development of radio. Just think about that. That's only like 120 years ago all this was occurring. And think what's developed uh, since uh, just unbelievable progress in terms of communications. Well, maybe we could call it commu- uh, progress. <laughs> maybe not in any event. Uh, un- unbelievable. Well, the Libyan man suspected of making the bomb that destroyed a passenger plane over Lockerbie, Scotland in 1988 is being detained by in U.S. custody. Law enforcement agencies on both sides of the Atlantic confirmed that on Sunday. Scotland's crowned office and pre- procurator Fiscal Service released a statement outlining the families of those killed in the Lockerbie bombing have been told that the suspect uh, is in custody. In December 1988, bombing of the U.S. Pan Am uh, Flight 103 over the Scottish town killed 259 people aboard the plane and 11 on the ground. Many of the victims were American, I think 170 of them. The U.S. uh, Justice Department also offered a confirmation of its own regarding uh, Massoud and his links to one of the most high-profile aviation terrorist attacks in modern history. And it it added that the suspect is expected to make make his initial appearance in the U.S. District Court 
for the District of Columbia. No information on how Massoud came to be in the U.S. custody was made available. The U.S. Justice Department announced new charges against Massoud in December 2020 on the 32nd anniversary of the bombing. Uh, Flight 103 originated in Frankfurt, Germany, with a Boeing 727 but switched to a 747 at London's Heathrow Airport, where it picked up more passengers, many carrying Christmas presents. Its final destination was Detroit. In 2001, former Libyan intelligence officer uh, was convicted for his part in downing the flight. He remains the only person convicted over the attack. He lost one appeal and abandoned another before being freed in 2009 on compassionate grounds because he was terminally ill with cancer. Do you remember that? I certainly do. He died in Libya in 2012, still protesting his innocence as his family maintains they will continue to fight to clear his name. It's an amazing uh, story. And uh, the only thing I could figure is he must have uh, been detained and uh, turned over to uh, uh, the U.S. authorities. I can't imagine they'd possibly come to the United States and risk uh, being arrested. In this story, by the way, uh, it dropped now to deflect, in my opinion, interest in the Twitter drops. Is, is that what happened? I think so. I checked CNN, ABC, NBC News yesterday about 2 p.m., and there were no stories about Elon Musk and what's going on with Twitter, uh, as uh, some mentioned. I think uh, uh, that uh, on uh, War Room, Steve Bannon mentioned that uh, Elon Musk purchased uh, purchased a crime scene as well as a company. I think that's probably true. He set out to save civilization when he bought Twitter, and he meant it. Civilization can only be saved through free and open communication and not behind walls constructed by elitists and totalitarians. On Saturday, Elon Musk released the Twitter Files Part 4, report on the company's discussions on the censoring and banning of the United States President Donald Trump. President Trump was ultimately banned from Twitter on January the 8th, 2021. He's going after Dr. Tony Fauci and the covid and the suppression and suspension of any Fauci critics. Elon posted this last night. My pronouns are prosecute Fauci. (laughs) Neither of which, of course, is a pronoun. But uh, Elon then tweeted out this photo of Tony Fauci and uh, Joe Biden together. And when asked whether he will release the uh, Twitter files on COVID, he replied, oh, yeah, it's coming big time. Grab your popcorn. Things are about to explode here about Twitter. By the way, uh, they they wanted to <clears throat> uh, get rid of Trump on Twitter, and they were seeking out. They finally came out with some criteria for doing it, but he was the only person using those criteria to uh, to be eliminated from Twitter. He also reached out to Dr. J. Uh, I'm going to pr- mispronounce this, Bhattacharya, one of the doctors mentioned earlier this week in the Twitter files release. Uh, Dr. Bhattacharya is one of the co-authors of the Great Barrington Declaration. Remember the big fury about the uh, Great Barrington Declaration? On October the 4th, 2020, top international epidemiologist Dr. Joseph Kildorf from Harvard, Dr. Sunetra Gupta from Oxford, and Dr. Bhattacharya from Stanford announced the, their scientific initiative to reopen society and resume life in the West, for those who were not vulnerable to the coronavirus, they called this the Great Barrington Declaration. The top doctors argued that Fauci COVID lockdowns should be replaced with focused protection plans. They had science on their side. Over 930,000 public health scientists and members of the medical community signed on to the declaration since its inception. 930,000 health workers and scientists signed on. Dr. Fauci and uh, Dr. Francis Collins immediately launched an effort to discredit and silence this movement. It threatened their control of their population. Dr. Fauci and Dr. Francis uh, and Dr. Lawrence Tabak, who took over NIH when Dr. Francis left, were threatened by the movement and decided to wage war on the doctors. This is an email that was sent out on October the 8th, 2020, just days after the Great Barrington Declaration announcement. This is from uh, Dr. Francis Collins to Anthony Fauci and Cliff Lane. You both know they're at uh, NIH. Uh, CGBDeclaration.org. That's the website for uh, the Great Barrington Declaration. This proposal from these three fringe epidemiologists 
seems to be getting a lot of attention and even a co-signature for Nobel Prize winner Mike Levitt of Stanford, there needs to be a quick and devastating published takedown of its premises. I don't see anything like that on yet. Is anything underway? Signed, Francis. And you see this? This is how they operate. Twitter and Facebook then censored and shadow banned any mentions of the Great Barrington Declaration after the complaints by Fauci and others. Dr. Batichera uh, later lashed out at Dr. Fauci, Fauci and Collins for their dishonest t- tactics to take down any doctors who challenged their high flawed, highly flawed and dangerous positions. Victims of Twitter's practice include Dr. J. Batichera, a Stanford professor of medicine and co-author of the Great Barrington Declaration. Weiss's thread and the Twitter file confirm what we've long suspected seeking to prop up Anthony Fauci and the lockdown policies he promoted in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Twitter and other big companies intentionally blacklisted, censored, suppressed, and targeted the Great Barrington Declaration and its signers. And now this, Jay Bataturia announced on Sunday that he spent his afternoon Saturday at uh, Twitter headquarters at the invitation of Elon Musk to find out more about the blacklist label Twitter attached to him. Dr. Bhattacharya announced this on uh, Twitter on Sunday. So there will be more coming out about this, and that's good news. Again, uh, let's get this all out in the open. Uh, Here in Florida, incoming Republican Agriculture Commissioner Wilton Simpson, along with Jay Collins and Representative Dave Borreo, announced a proposal to restrict foreign control of Florida agriculture land and strategic military lands. Simpson called uh, the proposal Florida Strategic Land Plan would uh, restrict the purchase, acquisition, lease, or holding of controlling interest in agricultural land in Florida by non-resident aliens, foreign businesses and corporations, or foreign governments. That's good news. We have a responsibility to ensure Floridians have access to safe, affordable, and abundant food and water supply, Simpson said. More than one million acres of agricultural land in Florida were under foreign ownership in 2020, according to the press release. Florida plays a critical role in our food supply chain and in the national security of the United States, Simpson said. China now controls nearly 200,000 acres of agricultural land in the United States, leaving our food supply chain, our water quality, and our national security interests vulnerable to the Chinese Communist Party. Restricting foreign control of Florida's agricultural land and key strategic military land will protect our state, provide long-term stability, and preserve economic freedom. He's off on the right foot, I think, don't you? Finally, uh, House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy said Saturday on FNC's One Nation that he will bring the 51 intel agents that signed the letter that said that Hunter Byington information was Russian collusion to testify at a congressional hearing. I think that's a great idea. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples, Longest established air conditioning company, visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harton, the host of the Bob Harton Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating problem, uh, policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And that's just one of the initiatives. Check it out. The website is thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website great for kids of all ages including you and i i hope you'll check it out it's called historycentral.com mark thank you so much for joining us here on the show always a pleasure bob thank you mark let's talk about what's going around on around the world and let's start off well let's start off with uh, an update on uh, ukraine okay so the war has been relatively quiet in, in the sense that uh, the ukrainians haven't had a major offensive in the last uh few weeks. There have been mostly um, smaller offensive operations. The Russians keep on trying to attack the Ukraine's power system, and their goal is to make it so difficult for the Ukrainians to live through the winter by being dark and not having power, etc. The Ukrainians have been very quick at rebuilding that. They've been quite remarkable in rebuilding some of the power lines, and they've also been getting help now from generators from Germany and from all over Europe right now. Hmm. Um, the expectation is that the Ukrainians will resume their offensive in the coming weeks because what's happening right now is the ground, which was very muddy, and muddy makes offensive operations difficult, will be freezing solid in the coming weeks. And at that point, the expectations of the Ukrainians are going to resume their offensive operations against the Russians. Um, and um, meantime... Uh, most of the European Union have been pretty steadfast in their support, uh, despite the fact that they're also, you know, they're, they're suffering in terms of, of gas and uh, cutbacks and everything in those those areas, but less so than people expected. And um, each country has been, you know, coming coming up with additional aid as as it's become necessary. Of course, the United States is is ahead of all of that, um, but um, you know, in terms of the fact that without a single American soldier dying, without um, a single American soldier in combat, um, most of the Russian army has been primarily destroyed. No one would actually believe that if you look look back in history. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, the Ukrainians though. A lot, a lot of money. A lot of, uh, a lot of our uh, money has been sent over there for sure. Yeah, okay, but we spend so much money on defense. It's a ridiculous point people make about that. So, you know, we spend, uh, you know, it's the equivalent of a couple of submarines, basically. I mean, we we spend so so much on defense, and what's the point of defense if you're not going to spend it? A, you know, if you're not using it in a way, in a way like this. So I, I read um, that uh, that uh, the it's not only now the soldiers that are muting, and but uh, also the uh, leaders. Uh, one of the leaders of the uh, Russian army was basically approving or allowing people to um, uh, to leave, and uh, so there seems to be chaos on the Russian side. Oh, absolutely! The Russians are in deep trouble. The Russians are in deep, deep trouble. You know, they they would sort of like us to be talking about a, a ceasefire so that they can have time to re-equip, but that that's not going to happen. Um, and the reality is, they just didn't know what they were doing when they did this, and they don't have the depth. And as much as China is helping them a little bit and they can get a little bit of help from North Korea, the, their biggest supporters is, is Iran, of all people. 
Yeah. And again, when you think the uh, the idea that the Russians have to turn to Iran for technology, it tells an awful lot about um, the state of the Russian technology, let's put it that way. So let's move to Iran. Uh, the demonstrations continue? Uh, yeah, there's a continuing, but the, the, the more problematic situation right now is this morning they executed the second of the protesters. Hmm. They executed someone, I think it was yesterday, the day before, and this morning they executed another one, another person. Young man, um, they made all sorts of claims against him, but he had no public trial, no defense, or anything else like that. Uh, they summarily executed him, and they're hoping that by scaring everybody, that's one way of ending the demonstrations. I don't think it's going to work because mm -hmm. people knew that going into the streets was dangerous, and at least 300 of them have been killed in clashes with police and uh, up till now. Um, but who knows? You know, again. Uh, it looks like they're going to mass execute as many demonstrators as they can. Um, you know, the world is not sitting by, but there's very little we can do. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it seems to be it could ignite the furor around the protests as opposed to quell them. Right, that would be that would be my guess. But again, you know, <clears throat> it really comes down to the discussion we've had time and time again: how many of your own people are you willing to kill, mm -hmm. and do they have people who are willing to do all that killing? And uh, I guess we'll find out in the in the weeks and months ahead, um, but this seems to be the real thing. Can you but just taking a taking a step back? Do you see some sort of a, a, a realignment happening between Iran, Russia, China, uh, with regard to power? Uh, just appreciate your comments and thoughts on that. Well, okay, I don't know. Okay, there's clearly a realignment in terms of Iran and and Russia. They're in a, a strong defensive agreement, but that's not ever really new. I mean, look. You know, we used to talk about the axis of evil, you know, being Iran, at some point it was Iraq, and, and North Korea. Mm -hmm. We sort of left Russia and China out of it and for various reasons. Now, Russia is clearly the center of evil right now in the world more than any place else. Um, so they're trying to get us help wherever they can. China is walking this fine line. Um, I mean, we, China is, has its own domestic problems that are not going away, and they're about to be hit with a major COVID crisis because they they were forced to give in on um, uh, on the COVID restrictions at this point because the demonstrations were starting to, to endanger the regime almost. Uh, but what they didn't do, and it was the, the whole logic when you have a lockdown is that you use the time of the lockdown to prepare for a time you won't have a lockdown because you obviously can't lock your people down forever. And the way you prepare is either you know increasing your you know, building new hospitals or preparing in that way, um, if you, you know, vaccinating your population, those sort of things. And they didn't do either of that. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and particularly the elderly have not been vaccinated in China. And of course, since nobody has gotten it in China because they were locked down, everyone is very susceptible. So we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. But there are parts of China where they've officially declared the lockdown over, but no one's going onto the streets. Everyone's petrified. Mm. So um, we'll have to see. I mean, don't forget, they are coming, let's put it this way, they're coming totally unvaccinated, totally without any prior immunity because of other people who have gotten it before with the version of this um, disease that is the most transmittable of you know, all the versions that we've had until now. But isn't so, the, isn't the uh, virus at this point not uh, uh, as virile or, or uh, dangerous as it was when it first came out? No, it does not seem to be the case. What seems to be the case is just so many people have either had it or a mild case of it or have gotten vaccinated that in most in any of those cases when you've either been vaccinated or you've had had it before, uh, the case you get seems to be much milder. Hmm. So, and because so many people are in, let's say, the United States or even in Europe have been either vaccinated or have had the disease, it's much harder for it to transmit because there are less people who are susceptible. Yeah. Mark, I want to uh, expand the conversation about China and also talk about Brazil. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, 
Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. So uh, China is expanding its tentacles around the world, and yet uh, I think there's real financial weakness in the Chinese economy. I appreciate your comments. Right. So absolutely, there's a lot of weakness now in the Chinese economy. I mean, it's a combination of caused by the COVID uh, shutdowns, caused by some of the actions the U.S. government has taken um, to limit their access to, to the next generation of chips. More importantly, is internally, their decision to sort of take the breaks off of capitalism and move more toward the command economy has um, scared a lot of entrepreneurs and is putting a chill to the Chinese economy. So, you know, I think I actually believe that our fear of China needs to be taken in consideration of our fear of Japan for the 1980s. I don't think it's nearly as going to be as, as problematic as we, as we thought. I mean, it's, yes, militarily they could be a significant uh, player, they're also technologically advanced in certain areas, but I don't think their economy is going to be what we thought it was going to be and take over the world, so to speak. And um, I think ultimately, uh, like has happened so many times before, the American economy will have, you know, if we don't destroy ourselves politically, we'll do just fine, thank you, when everything is said and done. Hmm, interesting. So, so I mean, there's a balance between military power and, and economic power right now. I think the question is, uh, what's going to dominate in China? Uh, it seems to me they're becoming very aggressive in terms of the military. What are your thoughts? Well, much more so than they were. They they built up their military because, don't forget, they had the economic wherewithal to do it, which they didn't have previously. Look, ultimately, military power is a function of your economic power, mm-hmm. right? In other words, why why did the United <clears throat> States have the biggest military during World War II and was able to build the largest military, even by, bar none? in the course of, of World War II, because we had the biggest economy, <coughs> bar none. And we had the heavy industry, and we had all those things we were able to build that economy. Yeah. Today, <laughs> a lot of the most advanced things relate to, to chip design and all of those type of things. Uh, and once again, when everything is said and done, despite all the issues and concerns, um, U.S. tech companies are by far in the lead in the world in almost every field. Not every field, but in almost every field. And so... Um, the United States maintains that that advantage uh, technologically and then ultimately economically as well. Uh, and we, you know, we've never played with socialism, uh, or com- more correctly, command economy, which is or 
Well, we've we've uh, certainly got aspects of it in our economy, but uh, which is a little concerning. But I get your point. Uh, they they are certainly moving towards a command and control economy, and certain aspects of it exist right now. No, very much so. And the, and remember, there's a difference. And again, we might disagree, but there's a difference between a safety net and a command economy, where you tell companies to make things, right? Yeah. Or you tell companies they can't make things. Um, and that's something else altogether. You know, we have incentives. We have incentives of various products. But tax code has always been used, going back to, you know, going back to the 19th century. And of course, the 19th century, the government was heavily involved in the economy in terms of building the railroads. The transcontinental railroad would never have been built without the U.S. government uh, giving away land. Right. So let's let's move to uh, Brazil. Some very interesting things going on in Brazil right now with protests about the election. What are your There's thoughts? Protests, but but for the first time, Bolsonaro got made a public statement and basically called for the for the for the peaceful transfer of power. He denounced any idea of the military seizing power or not allowing, um, not allowing his uh, rival to, to gain power. So ultimately, um, there are issues relating to it, but ultimately it looks like there will be a, tre- a peaceful uh, transfer of power. Again, I'm not sure how a country manages the whiplop the, the, um, between these, these two very, very different people. Whiplash, excuse me. Yeah. I mean, it, the differences are so great. I mean, we, we can't imagine how great the differences are um, between between the two. I mean, it makes, uh, I don't know, Bernie Sanders and, uh, I don't know, um, Ron Paul or something in that area, uh, as if as if the government went from one to the other. Uh, very, and even more so, actually. It's, uh, that's a, uh, those don't depict how di- different the views are in the economy in, in Brazil. So, well, there seems to be a dynamic between the uh, Supreme Court in, in Brazil, uh, this party, the uh, winner, who, or supposed winner who, who won the election. A lot of people have very, uh, very suspicious about corruption in the process of, tra- of uh, gaining the power. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I think it's, most, it's mostly, again, <clears throat> fake news. There's been, no, there's been no actual proof of any corruption or any question that he actually won won the vote. There were international observers that were observing it. I don't think there's any issue that he actually won. He just barely won. There's, that's very clear. And again, it's very clearly so evenly divided. Uh, but I don't think there's any question that he, that he won. And again, the fact that Bolsonaro has now basically said, peaceful transfer of power, I'm, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll win next time, sort of, um, which is a good thing. You know, it's kind of interesting. I want to change the topics a little bit to uh, to IA, to uh, artificial intelligence, or AI, I guess we'll call it. The, uh, <clears throat> I read someplace that the uh, actually uh, newspapers and their columns could be written 90% by uh, artificial intelligence. So there's real real uh, advances in artificial intelligence. Oh, without a doubt. There's this new, the new chat AI, which was from chat GPT, who was a company that was set up originally as a nonprofit, now as a profit. They originally had a product called Dolly where you could uh, put in a text and say you want a picture of a... Um, statue at night and whatever you want in, in terms of the picture and it would create an original picture based on whatever you gave it in terms of text hmm. now they've opened up this this chat where you can uh, ask it almost anything you can have an ongoing conversation you can also uh, basically ask it to write an essay 500 word essay a 300 word essay whatever you'd like i know in fact that teachers have now given it a um, given it the basis for, for marking a paper and watched as the uh, AI marked the papers of their students um, correctly, I mean, as, be- as well as they can. So yes, we're reaching that point. Uh, it can code for you. You ask it a question of how to write a certain amount of code in a particular uh, software language, it can do that. Um, mm-hmm. We're talking about something that's incredibly advanced, and supposedly it's not the most advanced thing out there. Yeah. So what's really frightening about this is this is version one. I mean, it's actually version three, but it's you know version one of what we're seeing publicly at this point. What's going to be in another five years? Serious and questions of ethics uh, going forward right now, because the of course the ultimate will will uh, artificial intelligence take over the human race, and that's one of the questions that at least right, should and, be discussed. One of the problems is you know it's one of those things that you just can't stop. Mm-hmm. That's one of the problems. You can talk about you know the ethics and let's have some ethical discussions, but the reality is. 
um, once these things begin, it's almost impossible to turn it away, turn it up, you know, turn it off. For instance, I think we can all agree, or most of us can agree, that um, that social networks have not been good for the politics of almost any country at this point. Have created more extremism on every side and everything else. But there's no way to turn it off. You know, we can't go backwards. We have to live with what we have. And AI is just going to keep on moving forward and getting better and better. Yeah. And um, we have to assume that, you know, some of us are going to be replaced by AI. There's no question. Yeah. It, I, I've noticed, I've taken stuff that I've written. I've asked it to write the same thing. It writes better than I do in terms of, you know, the writing quality. It's not as in-depth yet. Yeah. In other words, I compared it to what I've written and when I have much more information than it actually has. But it writes... You know, and it's really quick. I mean, uh, that's so interesting. No writer's block there. Yeah, so you have you have access to the artificial intelligence yourself. That's interesting. We all do. I, it's public. I will send you a link, um, and you can decide whether you want to share with your readers, but it's, uh, your listeners, excuse me. But it's public. Anyone can anyone can log on, create an account, and just go ahead and play around with it. And playing around with it will be both exhilarating and frightening at the same time. I hear you. You know, I, I think it certainly what's happening at the New York Times and the and the strike. 24-hour strikes really makes these writers and staff members precarious in terms of what what could follow. <laughs> well, absolutely, but it's, it's it's much more than that. It's much more than that. It's anybody, you know, someone already wrote an article, the end of of um, high school English. In other words, why are you going to have to write well? Because yeah. you don't have to write anything. It'll it'll write you a letter. You want to tell write a letter of condolences to somebody because someone this and this happened. It'll send you a, put out a beautiful letter in two seconds. Wow. Uh, anything like that. Um, so it should be interesting. What can I tell you? Uh, interesting and frightening at the same time. I agree yeah. with those sentiments entirely. Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Great for kids of all ages. Multimedia website. I hope you'll check it out. HistoryCentral.com. Mark, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Have a great week, Bob. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Larry Reed. He is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. 
Coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. My pleasure. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We are an educational organization focused on young people, uh, young people of high school and college age, and we endeavor to educate and inspire them in ideas of private property, free enterprise, entrepreneurship, and personal character. And we do that not only through events all over the country and sometimes abroad, but also through the very robust website we have, fee.org, where you can see daily fresh content and videos and lots of other stuff. Good stuff indeed. And I've, I've been to the National Conference for the Foundation for Economic Education. It's so exciting to see young people celebrate him, intellectual freedom and uh, uh, responsibility. It's really terrific organization. If you have a young person in your life who's uh, high school or college age, introduce them to fee.org, F-E-E.org. Larry, you wrote a terrific piece, Six Ways Socialism is Antisocial. Maybe you could tell us about it. <laughs> okay. Well, it's important, of course, as I did in the article, to first explain what socialism is, because a lot of people have uh, various misconceptions about it, Mm -hmm. uh, thanks in part because socialists really prefer you not know what it is. (laughs) So they sell it as, uh, oh, you know, it's happy talk, it's sharing things, it's giving people stuff, it's relieving people of burdensome responsibilities and so forth. Um, But it's actually, when it gets down to it, the concentration of political power for the purposes of redistributing wealth uh, at gunpoint, that is to say by force, Mm -hmm. or the central planning of an economy or the government ownership of the means of production. And I contend in this article that it it really is an anti-social idea. It's kind of interesting that something called socialism is actually anti-social, but I make the case that at least in six ways, it's antisocial, and one of them is that under socialism, uh, the plans of the socialists are more important than whatever plans you might have. And if you've ever listened carefully to socialist talk, uh, you'll find that they have a laundry list of plans that they want to uh, impose upon other people because they think that what they intend for your life is more important than what you intend for your life, because they're smart people. Yeah. Um, you listen to Klaus Schwab right now, and it, it's amazing to me that uh, he's he's the smooth-talking guy with the German accent who's going to try to convince us all that it'd be a good idea if they had power and uh, our ideas just don't matter at all. That's pretty much his message, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. And these people are quite smug, and they think that uh, you know they... <clears throat> have the knowledge and the information to plan an economy. But um, it, that's absurd, it's ridiculous, and it all ultimately, leads to, ultimately leads to tyranny. It certainly does. And so uh, basically you see this laundry list of ideas that usually disintegrate. Just take a look at what happened in Venezuela. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, just a generation ago, Venezuela, far from perfect, was still considerably freer than it is today. Um, they, they did have, have government doing things that uh, I think helped to contribute to the dissatisfaction in the country. But then they went full tilt for full-blown socialism, and now look what they've got. About 15% of the country has fled the country. The economy is a shambles. There's starvation, uh, shortages, bread lines. Uh, and, of course, the same government that said we're going to do all sorts of wonderful things for you is now doing terrible things to you. And inevitably, you'll find that when a uh, government tries to control the economy, it will reach out and control everything else. So they've suppressed the media. They've uh, pretty much done away with any pretense to a democratic republic. It's a dictatorship. That sounds very and eerily familiar, (laughs) unfortunately, today. (laughs) You you make a point. Socialism rejects biological science. What do you mean by that? (laughs) Well, you know, um, when it comes to human nature, there are certain rules that apply that uh, we can't change. Uh, they are uh, rules that science has identified as uh, integral to 
the way we are. Uh, so there is such a thing as human nature. Mm-hmm. For instance, we're all individuals, no two alike in every way. But then you look at what socialists want to do. They think they can homogenize us into some collectivist, obedient blob. Uh, they think they can abolish human nature and uh, somehow reinvent it. Uh, they think that human beings will work harder and smarter for the state than they will for themselves or their families. And uh, this is what I said in my article is uh, a lot closer to witchcraft than it is to science. Yeah, I mean, we actually, during uh, uh, the Mayflower coming over to the United States, I mean, they tried communism, and, and within a couple years, or a year, maybe two years, uh, got rid of it, and all of a sudden things turned around and things began to blossom. Yeah, it's an age-old experience that people seem to have to repeat over and over again, uh, relearning the lesson that if you uh, communize things or socialize things, that is to say if you force everybody to take their earnings and put them into a common pot and be redistributed uh, at least um, uh, equally in, in terms of the attempt, it doesn't always end up that way. But what you end up doing is you just crush incentive, and people sit back and say, why should I work if uh, these other suckers will do so, and I get the same that they do. Yeah, exactly. You also um, make this statement, socialists call the cops for everything. <laughs> yeah, you know that um, socialism is not a laundry list of helpful tips for better living. Uh, all you have to do is li- listen to socialists and their uh, pronouncements are really just a series of impositions of uh, plans that they want to force upon other people. Yep. Under socialism, you're not free to say, oh, no thanks, I'd rather just live my life uh, as I would uh, uh, choose to live it, and uh, I don't care for your programs or this. No, you have to participate. If it's voluntary, I like to say, it's not socialism. It is compulsory from start to finish. So, in effect, they call the cops for everything. Yeah, you know, if, you, if you're a socialist and you want to form... Uh, a socialist commune in a capitalist society, you can do that. But what happens if the reverse is true? If you're in a socialist country, you can't all of a sudden form a capitalist commune. It's illegal. Yeah, and you have to wonder, well, why don't the socialists form more of their own little communes where they get their neighbors to agree to put everything in a common pot and distribute it equally to each other? I mean, they're free to do that as long as they do it voluntarily. And there have been such experiments over time, but they always fail. And maybe that's why socialists just talk about it but never do it themselves. They want it to be to be accomplished at gunpoint. And socialism is anti-capital. Yeah, it is. I mean, right from Karl Marx, the father of, of uh, socialism, who wanted to nationalize and confiscate uh, accumulated capital from people who saved and accumulated it, um, Capital is the uh, most important element in improving our standard of living, and Mm -hmm. it comes from the savings of people. But uh, uh, anybody who does accumulate and invest and uh, and grow in terms of their income and their output and so forth, they're the ones that the socialists vilify. They're the ones that they want to sick the state on uh, to take their stuff and give it to their favored constituencies. Yeah, you know, the balance between capital and uh, labor is, uh, you know, one is not more important than the other. You need both, for sure. Exactly. I mean, you need the, the laborer to dig the hole, but you need the the backhoe to help him do it. Exactly. You, you also make this observation, which is really keen, in my opinion. Conflict is their god. Yeah, from Karl uh, Marx's writings and all of his acolytes since, uh, socialists talk conflict all the time. Everything is a crisis. Everybody's either a victim or a villain or an oppressor or uh, the oppressed. Uh, They're going to come to our rescue and be our savior. Uh, And uh, everything they talk about is uh, leads to conflict. They even predicted in their view of future history. They say that uh, the whole world is marching toward some kind of apocalyptic uh, conflict, and it will not be resolved until the capitalists... uh, are done away with and that kind of stuff. It's really crazy, yeah. crazy stuff, but it's all rooted in conflict and envy and violence. You'll find this column on the uh, very robust website fee.org, F-E-E.org, the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on The Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I don't know why that happened. We're going to try it over again. Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on The Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Just want to remind you that uh, Lula B's Diner is open for dinner, not only a great breakfast and lunch, but also dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. with a great menu with lots of <laughs> excellent, including uh, seafood items like salmon and snapper and group and so forth. So you'll find it fantastic and a great value lulubee's diner in the green tree shopping center we have with us jim mcteg former barons washington bureau chief and author of some great murder mysteries his first is follow the leader its sequel shake the money tree and his latest no problem is the name of the book uh jim thank you so much for joining us here on the show hey it's great to be on the show i i hope i don't sound too much like scrooge this morning but you know, the, the general population tends to be way over-optimistic. So, so today, for example, uh, there are headlines that uh, the Department of Energy will announce a breakthrough in fusion. <laughs> you know, so the, the Greens will be uh, shouting with joy, and it's pretty much science fiction. <laughs> you know, to, because to commercial, you know, if they, if they did manage have a fusion reaction for a few seconds, you know, bully for them. But in order to commercialize it, uh, it's not going to be in most of our lifetimes. I see, I see similar uh, over uh, optimism on Wall Street, mm-hmm. where where the big story now is that the Fed will engineer a soft landing, you know, and uh, it's not going to happen. I yeah. mean, the Fed is not, the Fed is if you. I would encourage your listeners to go read the uh, last um, released minutes of the Federal Open Market Committee because uh, their staff explicitly says uh, we don't have a high degree of confidence in our own forecasts. So so it amazes me that Wall Street thinks that we're going to have a soft landing. Uh, I think the recession, which I expect in the second quarter of next year, will be pretty nasty. Well, in fact, just take a look at the ingredients that we have right now, these massive layoffs in many companies. 
uh, along with uh, the fact that we've borrowed money that we don't have, we've added to our debt, uh, we've expanded the money supply. I mean, that's so inflationary, it's incredible. So, I mean, I think what they will do is perhaps dampen the economy to slow down inflation, but they're certainly going to, uh, it's going to have the unwanted effect of uh, creating uh, a, 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 a recession. Well, and look what the, um, you know, we had a recession because of COVID. <laughs> and that wasn't, it, it really did damage to the economy. Recessions are not uh, just temporary uh, a uh, phenomenon that, right. that uh, you know we 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 recover immediately from like we have a rhino virus i mean they do lasting harm to the, to the economy and it takes years and years to recover from that so for example you know i live in lancaster county pa now where i relocated after 37 years inside the beltway and you know i'm hearing from uh, people up here in the retail business that that foot traffic to the malls is off 30%. Yeah. Now, and, 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 and nobody knows why. They don't know if it's, you know, we've had a very mild winter here. It's going to be hard for you as a Floridian to understand. But we've had temperatures in the high 30s to low 40s uh, with bright sunshine and no wind. And it's so pleasant. I mean, you can go out and walk in a sweater, and and it's not cold. Now, I, I I know I know you're turning blue already just thinking. <laughs> well, here's here's the, the thing, Jim. Though there's there is not a clear correlation between the weather <laughs> and spending. There's other factors involved, and clearly, right. I don't know about you, but uh, right now, uh, inflation's having an impact on us, and we're and the the, the concern about the uh, the economy is having an impact on us. I don't think it's really. Ex- uh, encouraging us to expand our our expenses during the holiday uh, season. Oh no, you're you're right. And and the other thing is full employment is actually discouraging shopping. How can that be? Well, p- companies are forced to hire everybody. So you know, I was in a department store a week ago, and the cashier was so so ignorant of technology and the cash register that she was spending 25 minutes per customer so you know everybody got fed up left their stuff and, and left the store so there's one there's one factor we you know we need immigration reform in the worst possible way so so to your point numerous numerous factors layoffs in high tech yeah. I mean, you know every college kid was you know you'd read the articles like uh, you're an idiot if you become an english major now you have to go into computer programming. So I, I see a story this weekend in one of the major papers that these college kids with the uh, programming degrees can't find work. <laughs> you know, they're, so, so they're thinking, you know, what other career is there? Uh, I would urge them, by the way, to look at the military because the military can't recruit people. <laughs> so, um, well, I don't know. I'd have second thoughts about going into a woke military, quite frankly. I mean, if, if we were talking about the old days, like 10 years ago, uh, I would definitely recommend the military. And it's certainly I have questions about the viability of a, a liberal arts education uh, as a stepping stone towards greater economic freedom. So, well, I was an English major in the 70s. We can do anything. Uh, and let me add that most of the bankers in the 80s were English majors, and, and that probably explains why all the banks collapsed back then. <laughs> but the, uh, so anyway, I mean, this economy is so complex. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a quick antidote. My sister is a cheese broker. Cheese prices are way up. One of the reasons is the East Coast ports are as clogged as the West Coast ports. So they have to be, they've begun to fly cheese in from Europe. So if you're buying Stilton cheese or French cheeses, the prices are way up. Uh, I found something online called Block Cheese Prices uh, that they put out in, in Wisconsin. And it turns out it's a coincidental indicator of inflation. Uh, you know, they have prices of a 40-pound block of cheddar cheese going back for years. And during the recession, cheese prices fall off the cliff. I don't understand this, but when, when COVID hit, cheese prices plunged. Uh, so right ex- now, they're at all-time highs. So, so inflation still has a, a firm grip on the economy, and that's why I don't see a soft landing, because um, the Fed is going to have to get more aggressive going forward to slow this increase. And, yeah. Uh, 
Jim, I just watch the cheese. Yeah, <laughs> I just really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Very interesting. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure again. And the name of the book, uh, no problem. That's his latest murder mystery. Really a great read. Well, I uh, hope you'll tune in tomorrow. We have some great guests, including our state senator and uh, president of the Senate here in Florida, Kathleen Pasadomo. Boo Mortensen will be joining us. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, will be with us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>